Well, thank you, Debs, and thank you, worship team, for leading us today. We'll be handing the service back to the worship team after the message, and we'll be using the opportunity today as well to share communion together. So just a reminder for the end of the message that we'll be doing that. It's really a privilege to be able to share the message on Good Friday with you this morning. And I know on such an occasion, this is a time of stopping and focusing not on our current situation, but looking back and looking forward to what Christ did on the cross. You know, we live in the shadow of the cross and in the light of the resurrection on this side of history. But today, I want to take us back to moments before Jesus was crucified, to a conversation or a series of conversations he had just after he was arrested in John chapter 18 and 19. That's where we find Jesus along with the governor of the area, Pontius Pilate. And as most of you know, Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples and the religious elite at the time was furious with him for what he was doing, for what he was saying about himself, for the challenge that he was bringing to their positions of power and the status quo of the cities at the time. The Jewish high priests in power wanted Jesus eradicated. In John 18, 28, we catch Jesus just as he was handed over from his accusers, the religious elite, to the governor of the Roman province of Judea, Pontius Pilate. Here, let's read from uh, John 18, 28. It says, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But the Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death he was going to die. The Jews didn't want to enter inside of Pilate's mansion, otherwise it would have made them unclean for the celebration of Passover. And how ironic that Passover itself, that celebration, was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do on the cross for us. And instead of the lambs being sacrificed and that blood being spread, this time Jesus was the lamb for us and his blood would purchase us the price. In this first encounter with Pilate, we discover that this Roman governor wanted nothing to do with this dispute between Jesus and the religious elite. Pilate was confused why this rabbi and seemingly innocent man was brought before him by a mob that was really more angry and loud than making good sense or a good argument for just why Jesus was there. Their response for why they had brought Jesus to die, they just said, Well, if he wasn't an evil man, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Great, great reasoning. The reality was that the Jews weren't allowed to kill anyone with their own courts or justice system. So Pilate was their only solution to get rid of Jesus permanently. Except that he was more accustomed to dealing with thieves, murderers, and maybe dissenters of Rome than a humble rabbi. But still, the crowds outside his house persisted and persisted. Carrying on in John 18, 33, it said, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? 
Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? You know, Pilate had obviously heard from the waves that Jesus had been making in his region over the last couple years that there were those who were calling Jesus to be their king. And Pilate here was pressing Jesus and weighing the situation at hand. Obviously, this Jesus fellow was a divisive character. And you know, just like all politicians, Pilate wanted to make sure he fell on the right side, that he fell on the winning team of this dispute. So what was it then? Would Jesus' followers come the next morning demanding his release? Or would the current mob that was outside his house win the day and maybe he should side with them? Well, Jesus' answer confused Pilate further. In verse 36 it says, And Jesus answered, You know, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. I love that. But my kingdom is not from the world. Let's just reflect on this for a moment before we move forward. When Pilate pressed Jesus for the conflict that may be awaited the region in the days to come, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. At Easter, it's revealed to us that Jesus' kingdom isn't one that's advanced with the sword or the shield or the javelin or conquest, but with the complete opposite, a sacrifice. From the beginning of history to this day today, nations have been rising and falling based on physical prowess and political pressure and might and power. But the kingdom, the kingdom of God, is not of this world. And victory will be won in a completely different way. You know what? In the past year, there have been many disappointments, many struggles, many unknowns, not knowing where the finish line is going to be for the believer as much as the unbeliever. And maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe you've lost work. Maybe you lost community. You've lost friends. You've lost that connection. And at these moments, when we cross these hard times, those words of Jesus cause us to pause. And it's important that we remember that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. The hope that Jesus was winning for us in those moments leading up to the cross wasn't to solve all our problems, but was to solve the problem. Jesus reveals the real problem that he came to break at Easter. The problem that Jesus came for wasn't that God's people weren't at the top of the physical world's hierarchy like they would like to be, but that no one from this world, any one of us, could enter the real kingdom of God. The not of this world kingdom. The kingdom that Jesus was really fighting for. The kingdom that had escaped humanity when Adam and Eve believed the lie over the truth in the garden. You know, in an instant in the garden, when humanity acted on the lie and insisted on our own way instead of God's way, the kingdom of God was lost to us in an instant. Sin and man's pride instantly took us away from God. The kingdom of God was lost to us. Reading on from verse 37, it says, Then Pilate said to him, Jesus, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. 
And for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? I don't know what turn of phrase that Pilate said that in. Maybe he said, what even is truth or something like that. But Easter also reveals the other reason of why Jesus came. And plainly in those verses, we see us that Jesus came to reveal real truth to us, to be the truth for us, to restore back God's truth and make it available once again, to bring back what was robbed from us in the garden. And we also see from Pilate's question that humanity has been struggling with the question of truth today, just like we were 2,000 years ago. Again, Pilate said to him, what is truth? You see, Pilate said this because he knew, like you and me, that in man's eyes, truth is malleable. It changes over time. It changes with who's in power or what's fashionable with the times. Pilate threw away truth as something that could be defined, but Jesus answers on the contrary. You know, earlier in John, we see Jesus saying this about himself. He said to his disciples, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, for no one comes to the Father except through me. And Easter reveals more of that about God's kingdom. It reveals us God's kingdom, the real kingdom that is being fought for in these days. And it reveals to us the truth of God. That was Jesus in the flesh becoming truth for us. It says this in 1 John 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. This is talking about Jesus. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love that John begins his gospel like that. The word became flesh. The very words of God, the very truth of God, the very unchangeable nature of God, his personality and his image became amongst us. And at Easter, the mission was complete. Amazing. As humanity struggles to settle on truth and wrestles to define it for ourselves, God's sent his own son to die and set the standard of truth for us. And we see that in scripture and we see that display today as we read these verses. Going on to verse 38, it says, After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate found no fault in Jesus, but the crowds still didn't wane. Says then, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, again the crowds, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. 
In verse 6, it says, When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you or the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who has delivered me over to you has the greater sin. You know, you can feel that Pilate here is suspicious that Jesus just might be who he says he is. But the pressure of the angry mob outside his building was not responding to reason. Pilate attempts to question Jesus further about where he's from and what he's doing. And Jesus can see Pilate is worried. And I think Jesus calmly just reassures him while not absolving him that actually Jesus is the one who is in charge here. Further on from verse 12, it says, From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, are you not Caesar's friend? Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement. Now it was the day of the preparation of Passover. It was about the sixth hour And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Pilate sought to release Jesus one more time. But this time, the high priest twisted the knife with their own political pressure. And Pilate caved in and handed Jesus over to be crucified. I want to just take some time and read on the rest of the Good Friday story as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us this weekend. So reading on from John 19, 16, it says, So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull. There... They crucified him and with him two others who were on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic and in Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather the man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, I have written what I have written. Continuing the story on from Luke 23, verse 34, it says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. 
And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly For we receive the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today that you will be with me in paradise. Switching over to Matthew 27 from verse 45, it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemona sabanathagai. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them ran at once and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come down and save him. And Jesus cried out again and with a loud voice yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split around them. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this man was the Son of God. You know, for a day that ended with the Son of God killed, why do we call today Good Friday? Well, because this was God's plan all along. Earlier, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said this in Luke 9.22. He said, The Son of Man, that's Jesus talking about himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And furthermore, we find out in Romans 5 from verse 6 what Paul saw in the light of the resurrection. It says, For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For the one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God? For while if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we are also rejoicing God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Easter reveals God's kingdom. Easter reveals God's truth, which is Jesus. And Easter reveals God's reconciliation plan, which was God's blood, which was Jesus' blood poured out 
for us. Instead of the Passover lamb, Jesus became the lamb. There is now no barrier between God and man for those that recognize that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the only truth, and that Jesus is the only life. And if you're new and you would like to find out more about what it means to follow Jesus and to be a Christian, to know God, we would love to talk to you. So reach out to us today or come see us at one of our Sunday services, which we're having soon. And as we close the message and go back into worship, we're just going to end the message today by pausing and reflecting more on Jesus' sacrifice ourselves. We're going to do it in the way that he instructed us. So as we said at the beginning, you know, grab some bread, grab some wine if you have it, or juice, or whatever can just substitute those things. And we invite you, while worship starts again, to just partake in the bread of the wine together. Perhaps you've got family around you today, or perhaps you're listening to this message alone. Just know that Christians all over the planet today are doing this with you. And on the eve of Passover, just before the account we read, Jesus sat with his disciples and instructed us to remember him in this way. In Matthew 26, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. We're going to go back into worship there, but I love how Jesus ends that. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. You know, as we eat the bread and as we drink the wine, we do remember back to when Jesus bore our sins on the cross on this day some 2,000 years ago. But I love the way Jesus ends his instruction to the disciples there, saying that he will one day drink this wine again with those same men in the new kingdom. And that's the same for us, friends, this morning. You know, we've discovered here today that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Well, I tell you that as we drink this morning, that we will one day drink the fruit of the vine, the new wine, with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. Let's go back into worship. Let's remember Jesus. And let's hold on to hope this Easter. In the midst of everything that's going on, Jesus' kingdom is unfading. His victory is everlasting. And he's got you and he's got me. Thanks for listening.